When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is George Newbern, the voice of Superman. This is Kid Schreiner, the voice of the Green Arrow. And you are listening to the DCAU Review, hosted by Cal and Liam. Streaming at DCAUReview.com and on your favorite podcast app. The original Justice League has become a memory. I am resigning from the Justice League. What's going to happen to the League now? We rebuild from the ashes of that great conflict. A new team has arisen. A much, much bigger team. Each of you brings something different to the table. Old friends, new heroes. And as usual, plenty of bad guys jumping up to get beat down. Calm down, and I'll let you go. How about you kiss my ass? Watch out, evildoers. There's nowhere to run. Because this year, they're all around you. The league is unlimited. All new original series starring every superhero worth cheering for. And then some. Justice League Unlimited. Where am I exactly? Among friends. There's strength in numbers. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 159 of the DCAU Review. I am one of your hosts, Cal, with me, my good friend, good brother, and the gentleman that runs our Twitter account. That's right, it is Liam. Liam, welcome to uh, another week in Magic May, the month of magic. That's right, Uh, we are nearing the end, so I've got a couple weeks left here. And uh, we flash back forward. We were in the original Justice League series last week. And this week we have the, uh, the direct sort of successor and sequel to that uh, pair of episodes. But it also uh, is a pretty darn important episode in the whole series as uh, now features the return of Hawkgirl. That is right. Hawkgirl making her way back. Uh, we briefly saw her in uh, in the episode The Return that we covered in the archives at DCAUReview.com, a part of our Green Lantern Month last year. You can check that out in the archives if you'd like to. Uh, but we really have kind of been left uh, to guess what had happened to her at the end of the star-crossed phenomenon, which we also covered back in the archives at DCAUReview.com on episode 100. So if you haven't caught up on those, we advise you to check those out. But we kind of get the uh, kind of get the next installment of what happens to Shaira Hall here. We get some continuation of the Green Lantern Hawk Girl. Is there a is there a cutesy relationship nickname for Green Lantern and Hawk Girl? Not that I'm aware of. You know. No Hawk Lantern or Green Hawk, Girl or Green Green Hawk Hawk. Yeah, something like that. That's probably why they haven't done it because neither of those are very good. It's not I feel one like Hawk Lantern is all right, although Hawk Lantern's pretty good. Yeah. Sounds like a name of a fake newscaster in an <laughs> Anchorman sequel. 
Hawk Lantern with the seven o'clock news. Anyway, uh, before we dig into this week's plot and story, Liam, as we continue here in Magic May, let us get the official IMDb synopsis, uh, not brought to you by IMDb.com, but it could be. So uh, this episode, Wake the Dead, as you mentioned, uh, originally aired back on the Cartoon Network, a part of Justice League Unlimited, back on December the 18th, 2004, meaning we're coming up here on the 17-year anniversary of this here episode's debut. Right, and this is for the episode Wake the Dead, which was written by Dwayne McDuffie and Bruce Tim, directed by Joaquin DeSantos, with uh, music by Lolita Redmanis and animation by DR Movie Company. And that synopsis reads as such. A trio of high school kids accidentally resurrect Solomon Grundy, reviving him more powerful than ever, but with no memories of his past. Dr. Fate, Amazo, Aquaman, and Shaira assist League regulars in stopping his rampage. Uh, It's a little wordy, I think. That transition statement also is a little rough, but it was all right. Kind of buried the lead, too. I think. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, by the way, Hawk Girl's in this. That's so. right. Well, uh, might as well, Liam, we'll jump into discussing the plot here. So we open up on a uh, what is an interesting visual we'll talk about in just a moment, probably interesting more, but we three nameless teenagers who are doing what else they would do on a uh, on a random evening. And that is, of course, trying to call upon the spirits uh, through what we learn later is known as chaos magic. Yeah. So this is interesting. There is a forum post from Bruce Tim, which I think you can find if you use a Wayback Machine. Um, but he mentioned at the time there was he made some allusion to would this episode have been better if Rachel Ghoul was in it? Uh, which I don't I haven't seen anything that says officially there was a draft with him in it and they had to take him out. Mm. I think that was just maybe a reference, but it is weird that the crux of this episode is three random teenagers uh apparently as as we get some exposition bought a book of spells on the internet and resurrect you know the one of the most powerful foes the justice league has ever fought um so it's weird that that my only thought is that if they had used another super villain to resurrect him that they then would have felt like they had to wrap up that and since it was only a 22 minute episode they're just like all right some random kids do it and then he kills the kids <laughs> right but that's that's that loose end tied up now we just have to have them fight grundy <laughs> yeah there's a lot of murder and a lot of intrigue in this episode i'll say that uh so these kids perform this seance uh one of the kids is swearing revenge against a bully and uh, they want this power to make them stronger through the incantation and the reciting. They bring some sort of spirit out, uh, but then one of the kids backs over the chalk line, disrupting the uh, disrupting the spirit and forcing him to go back. But in the meantime, uh, little do they know, as you as you mentioned, they uh, resurrected Solomon Grundy, 
uh, Grundy, we learn later on in the episode, has uh, is just the the form. He no longer has the memories. He is he is a zombie. He is a literal zombie at that point. And there's even some uh, talk between some of the characters later on. If if isn't that what a zombie generally is, is a, a living dead person uh, without a brain. So even more so, though, gone is any ability for for Grundy to communicate or for him to comprehend anything. Uh, he's simply a mindless, rampaging beast. And uh, he is uh, it's the opening scene, though, is interesting because we we it's uh, after the commercial or the the introduction for the credits. And we see the untimely death of our three nameless teenagers. Uh, well, the the implied deaths of them. Uh, we flash to uh, a familiar place that we've seen several times here in the month of May, Liam, the month of magic, and that is Dr. Fate's Tower. And we get the weirdest trio hanging out playing chess in Dr. Fate's Tower. It's your move, Hawk Girl. check in five moves we'll see diana told me you used to regularly beat batman difficult to believe from the current pitiful level of your game i should have known better than to expect a proper challenge from a woman such scintillating repartee i'd get better conversation from the android you are aware I'm in the room? Check. I win again. Huzzah. It's just a game. You disgust me. Join the club. <laughs> well, it is. I, I do beg the question like, did Aquaman and Mira have a fight before this episode? <laughs> Like, did she kick him out? Because why is Aquaman hanging out in this tower? Yeah, that's that's a good question. I think the intimation maybe, and this is drawing only based on the reaction that we have. So Shaira is playing uh, Aquaman in chess while Amazo looks on. And uh, Aquaman is doing his very best to taunt Shaira to sort of get a rise out of her. It's very, very clear. He makes a comment about... Uh, not being surprised that he that it's so easy to defeat a woman. Uh, he then makes uh, even further uh, slights of comments saying how she was once he was told that she used to beat Batman in chess uh, when she was a member of the league. And he can't believe that this is what she's sunk to. He's clearly trying to get a rise out of her. He comments on that. There's she's not willing to give an inch. She's not really responding at all. She doesn't even look twice. He keeps taunting her, saying he's about to beat her. He's about to beat her and ultimately does and feels dissatisfied. And then Dr. Fate comes up and, and tells him, hey, I told you that that wasn't going to work. So it seems to me maybe Dr. Fate tried to I, I mean, maybe I I think it's more hilarious to think that Mira kicked him out for something or it was like, hey, can you please go to the surface? You're getting on my nerves. I need to clean yes. the house. 
Like your son is is like screaming and crying already. Like, can you just can you just go to the surface? I need some alone time. Please just leave me alone. We'll get a babysitter. You go to the surface. I'll hang out in here. I'll do some cleanup and and put on some tea and watch my soaps. Please go to the surface. <laughs> that makes it much more funny. But it's uh, definitely what, my head cannon for the episode. I love that. But the interesting thing is, it seems that Shaira has this defeatist attitude, um, and there's even a line that. Uh, that he says uh, to to her he says um, she discuss you disgust me uh, he says that to directly to her and she says join the club so she's clearly very self-defeated she's real she's down in the dumps a little bit still over this whole uh, everything that happened with her and 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 everything that she chose to do and filled with regret for everything that she she had done yeah, I think that's sort of the crux of the episode from there. Um, obviously, there's the, the the Justice League proper, meantime, is fighting this mindless Grundy. Uh, Green Lantern, we, we see Jon Stewart at a fashion show, and we quickly get introduced to his new uh, love interest, that being Vixen. Um, and then those two, along with Superman, are, are sort of battling Grundy. But the other, the beep, plot to it and really the the main focus of this episode is uh and we see it when when Shire goes into the garden with Inza when she's kind of moping she talks about she was stripped of her title in the Thanagarian army she was banished from her home world for not going through with the whole genocide plan uh and <laughs> so she you know she no longer has that identity she feels that because she was always this sort of double agent, that Hawk Girl itself was a lie. She uh, and that so she doesn't feel she can be her. Uh, she can't be this. She can't be the superhero she was sort of pretending to be. Nor can she be the soldier that she always was before. And so she's really feeling like a woman without a without a country, so to speak. And it's sort of seeing this, uh, seeing Grundy, who she had had this connection with, is finally enough to sort of bring her at least temporarily out of the funk and then her experiences for the rest of the episode sort of reinforce that she you know she does still have an ability to do good and and uh, we'll get to that more towards the end there but yeah I mean it's it's a lot of it's from there it's a lot of punching it's a lot of Green Lantern fights Grundy gets beat up Vixen fights Grundy gets beat up and obviously we'll have a lot to talk about visual Superman shows up uh gets beat up by Grundy, Dr. Fate, Aquaman, Hawkgirl, and Amazo uh, come. They try to defeat Grundy. Amazo discovers that Grundy is somehow, because I guess, however, this, this chaos magic that they keep referring to, he's, he's become so powerful that he can actually absorb the, the power that, Omega, that Amazo is, is hitting him with. And so Amazo actually has to sort of uh, recuse himself from battle. I'm sorry. I sense nothing of the Grandi we know within that shell. He has nothing but rage. And it is time I brought this to an end. No! Don't hurt him! In my travels through space, I've attained mastery of forces all but incomprehensible to humans. I... wait... wrong. The creature is somehow feeding on my energies. He adds my power to his own. 
My presence here puts you all at risk. I will retreat several light years distance until I can determine how to counter this effect. I didn't like that at all. I thought I, that that was I thought that was such that was such a weak plot device to get this overpowered character yes. off of the screen, which to me it would have made more sense if there's a throwaway line that Superman has when Amazo shows up. He he says to Dr. Fate, "Oh, we're letting him out of the tower now." And Dr. Fate says, well, I figured we'd give him a try. Or, or I, he says, I, I'd like to have seen you stop him or something like that. Yes. And which, okay, that's cute. But you could have just as easily had written something like, hey, Amazo, I don't think you're quite ready yet. We need you to stay here. Or should we fail? We need someone to be there, you know, and with the ability to stop him if, if you know, if our, if our diplomacy fails or something like that. But bringing him into the battle and then having him just <laughs> run away like, oh no, I've been defeated. I must peace out two parsecs away. Like, all right, cool, man, whatever. So going a little behind the scenes there, I don't know if we've talked about it on our show yet, but there's a comic book coming out soon called Justice League Infinity that Ooh. looks to act as a another season of the show. Similarly, to the adventures continue uh, has done for the new Batman adventures. Um, and that book is going to feature Amazo. And I do wonder, and I know that there was uh, uh, that James Tucker has said before, uh, he's actually told us directly on, on Twitter that there were sort of some, some vague ideas for a, a, a fourth season of Justice League Unlimited that was going to take place in space and maybe Amazo was going to be involved. Um, so I wonder if like they already had that inkling or, or if at least Dwayne McDuffie did and maybe sprinkled was sprinkling that in here is like, well, I have this idea for a Mezo out in space, or we have this idea for a Mezo out in space at some point as like a silver surfer type. And so sure. we're, we need to, but yes, for the purposes of this episode, he shows up, he fires like an, goes, Oh, I can't help. See you guys and leaves it's pretty it's pretty lame within the context of the episode also you know we didn't know we were going to get a, a comic book <laughs> 17 years later that might answer some of those questions that we had but absolutely it, it's a retrospect a, a, a retroactive easter egg as we say here especially if and that's sort of the illusion is as we've read uh, some of the previews no confirmation yet but seems like that like you said this comic book could uh delve into some of that at which point yeah that will be nice that'll be fine to kind of follow up on that and then that, that will make this feel much more impactful other than just oop we had to we had to write this overpowered cow, uh, character off of the show as quickly as we could yeah but uh oh hawkgirl's sort of reluctant to uh to fight grundy at first because of this bond that they shared and because she doesn't really have this this sense of heroism that she once had but when uh both green lantern and vixen are, are really kind of down and out she finally takes action and we discover once again that her nth metal mace is is very very powerful against the uh, the uh, the magic or the magic infused beings such as Grundy is in this state, and she kind of just knocks him just knocks him down into the sewers, just beats the crap out of him, and we kind of have this final little speech where the heroes are kind of arguing over what to do, and and finally uh, Hawker kind of steps up and says, "Okay, I'm going to go." I'm going to go in this. And um, there's a, a very intentional uh, reference to Old Yeller made. Yep. Um, 
was and you know he was my friend so i'm gonna be the one to end it like that's that's spoiler alert for a like an 80 year old movie at this point uh but yeah that's how that movie ends uh, old yeller to... spoilers ahead watch out guys yeah. they shoot the dog they shoot the dog the kid shoots the dog he had rabies he didn't just shoot the dog for fun. um but yeah that's sort of and we get this wrap up where there's sort of press and like a crowd is gathered and people are yelling insults at Shaira and and Green Lantern sort of rises to her defense. And, and we actually find out how exactly the original or the, the, the surviving six members of the Justice League voted when it came to uh, either keeping Hawkgirl or, or kicking her out. And we, in fact, find out that they actually had voted for her to stay um, and so they sort of welcome her back into the league fold. Hot girl, do you think today's act can possibly make up for your complicity in the Thanagarian invasion of Earth? Do you have a comment on your dismissal from the Justice League? Hot girl was never dismissed from the league. She can come back whenever she likes. I recuse myself because, well, anyway, Superman broke the tie. I believe in second chances. I believe in redemption. But mostly, I believe in my friends. Yeah, it was, a, it was a nice moment because it actually highlighted Superman, who has he has a minor role throughout the episode. It's a lot of punching and fighting Grundy, but there are mm-hmm. some comedic moments, including <laughs> including a moment where he gets uh, he gets hit into the harbor uh, by Grundy, and and uh, he's climbing out of the harbor later on. Uh, and Green Lantern asks him if he's okay, and he literally just deadpan looks at him and says, "Do I look okay?" <laughs> says, "What do you think?" <laughs> You okay? Do I look okay? Better than Grundy's about to. <laughs> it's tremendous. Well, yeah, so there's good. Some... But but for Superman's minor role with the occasional comedic line uh, here and there, uh, expertly written by I, I think we mentioned this was written by Dwayne McDuffie, uh, the late great Dwayne McDuffie, and Bruce Tim also had writing credit on this episode as well. But uh, he is actually written at the end is to be the one uh, John Stewart lets Shire know that Superman was the one who broke the tie. So we do learn that there were three people that voted against her or two people that voted against her uh, coming back. But that Superman was the one uh, to vote in favor of having her restored. And he gives this poignant little line that really speaks to the heart of who Superman is. And I know with your love for Superman as a character and genuinely people who love and appreciate Superman, it speaks to the good of Superman's heart, of seeing people not only uh, and allowing them to have second chances, which is what he says he believes in, but he also believes uh, in his friends. And he and he very warmly welcomes Shaira back, uh, you know, just, which is interesting because she had this, she's having this identity crisis throughout this episode, pun intended if you're a DC fan, but she's <laughs> having this identity crisis throughout this episode of who is she? you know, where, where, what is her role now? She finally sort of re-embraces the role of Hawkgirl when she, when she reaches out, uh, she isn't the, the, the mace is not forced upon her. Uh, Dr. Fate very stoically gives her the choice. He, he says he had tucked the mace away in another dimension because of the effects that it has on the tower where he lives. 
but if she is ready, she can reach out and take the mace. So she literally physically has to reach out and take this, this sort of this, uh, this mantle, as it were, the mantle of hot girl again. And then, but she's still struggling with it, even as she goes out and tries to kind of deal with this idea that she is the person that's going to have to, to put Grundy to an, to an end. She says, you know, is this my role in life? Am I just a destroyer? Am I just somebody who destroys things? So there's a neat little moment that happens where there's a bridge that's collapsing, where she actually saves this mother and daughter whose car is flying off the the bridge and headed for the water. She saves them, rips them out of the car and, and saves them. So as these people at the end are hurling these insults at her, people from the media, by the way, they didn't care. They're just like mm-hmm. yelling at her and throwing stuff at her and uh, th- this woman comes up to her and thanks her personally uh, for for saving her. And it, it's sort of this redemptive moment where at that point, uh, coupled with this speech that Superman and, and, and Green Lantern give her, it seems that she's taken that mantle back of being a hero, um, that she's she's back in the league, she's back where she belongs, and she kind of reassumes that identity that she had kind of been losing or unsure of for for the better part of the episode. Yeah, I think that's that's definitely uh, like I said. There's a, there's a lot packed into this, and I guess we can begin to start talking about scores here. But because it's it's so packed, because you have the you have to have the explanation for how Grundy came back. Mm-hmm. You have to reintroduce all of the the Tower of Fate characters. You have to you know because we saw as you said we saw Hawkgirl right at the end of the Return. And knew she was staying at the Tower of Fate, but we didn't really know what that meant, what she'd been doing, uh, what kind of mental state she was in. So when we see her and she's so sort of lost and dejected, and then yes, as you mentioned, that interaction with the the family, uh, with the the family on the bridge, who then sort of go up and and grab her hand uh, while while she's being you know yelled at and, and screamed at and, and having that moment of sort of remembering that, hey, no matter your mistakes, and that kind of goes back to what you were saying about Superman, uh, what Superman says is like, yes, uh, you know, no matter the mistakes that you've made, if you truly want to earn that forgiveness and to make, make things right, you can still help people, you can still make a difference in the world and she you know like you said she begins to then take up that that mantle of a hero again and uh, i think it's a, a really really great sort of and wrap uh bow to that uh, and a great way to it doesn't feel cheap uh to, to reintroduce it it's not like oh well she's just back let's you know a bad guy showed up and she shows up to help or whatever it's like no it was it because of the deeply personal connection with the Grundy character that we discussed in the two episodes last week, it made sense to me that this would be what would get her out of the tower. And then to have this sort of deeply emotional experience with Grundy, but then also with this, this family, I think it, I think it's a pretty satisfying way to get, to get Shaira back and back into the fold. So for all these reasons, I really enjoyed the episode. I thought they did a lot with, obviously not as much time, only 22 minutes. So one, you know, one, one parter here. Uh, so for all those reasons, I gave it a nine out of 10 for plot. Nice. Uh, yeah, I gave it just a tick lower. I gave it eight out of 10. Um, I think the Amazo thing was really, really the only thing that I didn't need. Like, honestly, like that just sort of cheapened it a little bit. 
Um, especially with, you know, again, if we had maybe had follow-up later on or something like that, it probably wouldn't have bothered me as much, but to have him written into it, have him then written out of it in a very weird way that is never really explained. Um, you know, that, that took it down just a little bit, but I agree with you. And what I love, and I, I think we oftentimes express it, but we maybe, and we try to give the credit when, when do, when it's due and it's definitely due when, when we mention it, but just in case we haven't, some of the brilliancy of, of Mr. McDuffie's writing was that he was able to weave these very deep, um, real life, uh, like real thoughts and topics into these mm-hmm. stories to humanize these larger than life heroes and uh a lot of people try to do that a lot of people try to humanize to varying degrees of success and i feel like the fact that he was willing to take some of these themes like this idea of having an identity crisis of feeling like you are the mistakes that you made that's so that's so something that you can that us as humans can can relate Mm -hmm. to on an everyday level i can't tell you how many times i think about the mistakes that i've made in my life and whether or not i'm defined by them but the fact that he was able to write this cute little you know 22 minute quote unquote kids cartoon and sort of address that type of topic and having Mm -hmm. people in Shaira's life that were able to rally around her and say you know what especially this little line from Superman you know I believe in second chances I believe that you know everyone deserves a second chance and I believe in my friends like just the importance and the value of having amazing, supporting, loving friends and family, which not everybody can relate to. But when you have that and you're facing those type of identity crises or you're like feeling like you're going to be defined by the mistakes that you've made in your past, there's nothing like having that one person that comes alongside you and goes, nah, man, that's not you. And the fact that Mr. McDuffie was able to write a great episode that really takes that theme and applies it to a you know a children's cartoon and a character in the children's cartoon uh on this grander comic book stage Uh, i just love that i love the way that he's able to weave these very adult real life themes into these these cartoons yeah i mean i think especially as as we will get to uh later down the line when we cover more of the cadmus arc but you know this version of superman in particular knows all too well what it's like to lose the trust of the world for sure uh, when he's obviously he has the excuse of brainwashing which uh which not although again you can you can make the argument because she didn't know the true scope of the thanagarian's plans that she isn't completely culpable for all of the uh the terrible things that they did but 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 so he he on a very personal level i think it makes sense that superman uh, beyond him just being Superman and him being that being true to who his character is at his core, this specific version of Superman has dealt, has sort of dealt with a similar thing that Shaira is probably feeling and the feeling of how do, how do I earn back the trust of people who are, who used to look up to me and are now terrified of me. Mm. And I think having, and having that sort of weight on your shoulders and, and you know, in in leg in the end of, in the end of Superman and Legacy, we see that Superman kind of has Lois to rely on, and yeah, she t- tells him to kind of win them back one at a time. And I think that's kind of play here with Hawkgirl, and when she when she saves the lives of the the mother and daughter, it's 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 win them back one at a time. It's 
you can't change you can't change what you did in the past but you can do everything you can to be better than you were yesterday and sure. i think that's that's what superman is great at, at at representing in comics i think it's and it's what a, a lot of these heroes are 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 it's it's not always about it's not about being perfect in 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 superheroes or in real life it's for sure it's just about you know it's about trying harder to be better the next day and I think that's what this episode kind of represents. I love it. Yep. Great writing from, uh, from Mr. McDuffie. And as you said, to jam it all into a 22 minute episode, uh, man, that that's not never easy to do in my opinion. So uh, amazing. Uh, let's move on to our next category, Liam, which is going to be our visuals and animation category. Um, so uh, we have another episode of Justice League Unlimited here. So uh, last one we covered was just a few weeks back uh, when we covered this little piggy, which you can hear in the archives at DCAUreview.com. What is uh, that? I'm not, fami- I'm not familiar. <laughs> well, it is in our top picks section, uh-huh. if you recall. Yeah. Uh, so check that out if you're, if you're interested. If you're unable to find it, check out the top picks section mm. uh but right off the bat here liam we have some interesting easter eggs uh in the uh in the teenagers room there were a couple that i pulled out a couple that you had mentioned also uh what stood out for you as uh from the visual side of things yeah that that dorm room uh, is definitely one that if you're if you're watching this on hbo max or you have the blu-rays or dvds you're definitely going to want to pause it just kind of because as the episode uh, as that that scene plays out you can kind of see something new in almost every shot but we got a the one i immediately noticed was there's a dvd case for a movie called wicked scary which is actually a horror movie from the teen titans show Mm -hmm. it actually plays i believe plays into an episode in the second season where raven in in her refusal to admit that a horror movie scared her uh, actually like unleashes the monster from the movie on the rest of the titans so that was i thought that i'm sure it was just a little bit of good uh you know warner or dc animation synergy there or maybe it was just a reused asset uh for a background or something but i did think it was a, a cute reference to kind of throw in there but uh, yeah there is uh, i'll let you handle a couple of them here there's a just a myriad of of pop culture and uh other comic book companies' uh, properties on display in this in this young man's room. That's right. Uh, so I notated that there is a statue that is very, uh, let's just say, Hellboy-like. Uh, mm-hmm. I believe you said there was a a nod to Swamp Thing in the background as well. Uh, maybe mm-hmm. some, maybe the leader from the Hulk combined with. Uh, who was the other doctor strange or uh thanos it's thanos. so he's thanos cover it's like a purple guy in like a blue and gold suit but he has the big round leader head so very interesting so uh i don't know if did i miss any was there anything that, any more that we missed a couple of minor ones there's one that's uh, a star trek uh looks like the starfleet logo but turned upside down and and then there's a, a shield above his above the, the door that has uh, the little Triforce logo on it from the the three triangles from uh, Legend of Zelda. Okay, there so you go. So there might be even more that I'm that I'm missing here, but those hey, do were it. 
do us a favor. If you caught any that we didn't uh, tweet Liam at DCAU review on Twitter, uh, let us know any others that uh, we may have missed. Cause there's lots, lots to be seen there. As you said, uh, I, I did want to say that the, the conversation between the kids talking about uh, swirlies and wedgies. And then the one kid saying he doesn't wear underwear anymore because of the wedgies. I thought that that did make me crack, crack up. That was pretty good. And just like the look on his, uh, on the other friend's <laughs> face. Was the one kid like Jimmy Olsen's little brother? Oh, that's, that's a good. He's got like, he's got the orange mullet. <laughs> like Jimmy wearing glasses. Has. Yep. Could Maybe. be. Uh, but yeah, lots, lots of visual stuff uh, that I had notated here. Uh, beyond that, I think that way that the, the cold open or that intro ends very suddenly uh there's a couple of real quick commercial breaks uh that kind of come out of uh, of nowhere uh that one the cut to the the credits the initial uh, opening credits is very sudden as a hand kind of breaks through the door and grabs the kid's head it's solomon grundy's hand breaks through and it just cuts right to the credits i thought that was visually a very it's very horror movie-esque or something very it's it's like a jump scare almost like the hand pops through and grabs the kid's head and then they cut to the next scene very quickly uh but i thought that was done very well uh you mentioned we have a a scene where we are introduced uh to to the john stewart vixen romance so what's this is this like glixen what what are we calling this <laughs> i i i'm that I, we have to have a name for it what are, it's the, um yeah, it's hard because she doesn't have two names. She just has the one. Right. So. I'm yeah, going with Vix, Glixen. Vix Green, Green Vix. You know that <laughs> that might be trademarked by whoever owns Nyquil. Um, <laughs> yeah, we're going with I'm going with Glixen. So we're right. introduced to the Glixen romance, uh, and uh, so John Stewart in his uh, street clothes, and then there's a quick transition uh, that happens, uh, some back and forth between her asking him if he's going to get ready because he says they have to leave this fashion show to go do justice league business. And uh, there's a quick transition where he pulls his ring down and he's in his green lantern suit. I thought that was awesome. Well, sticking with John Stewart. Uh, it seems that uh, if you recall, we had mentioned several times that there was a lot of complaining going on on message boards that John Stewart wasn't making enough constructs with his ring, uh, mm -hmm. which uh, we explained away uh, in a couple of our episodes is, yeah, John's more of a military guy. Just get the job done. He's not here. The artistic guy like Kyle is. So mm -hmm. he doesn't need to use that imagination as much, but uh, he does use a couple of different uh, constructs here, including a hand to, uh, to save some, uh, a, a bus, I think that was launched towards a building. And then uh, he uses sort of like a handcuff type thing to try and wrap, wrap Grundy up um, or a, binder something i don't know what it was exactly but it was out of the normal it wasn't just the bubbles and the and the, mm -hmm. the laser blast that we usually see um i think uh other than that i think uh there is a lot of visuals that go along with the vixen character as she sort of sort of manifests uh the powers of these different uh or the strengths of these different animals through the the magical amulet that sits on her necklace uh, i thought those were pretty cool yeah, I think, uh, so I think as we mentioned at the start there, this episode is directed by uh, Joaquin DeSantos. And I feel like every time we review an episode of his, there's like one shot that is just so extra cool. And in this episode to me is when Grundy 
like I think it's when he breaks out of the clasp or whatever, and he he just sends Green Lantern flying. Vixen, uh, you know, touches touches her helmet. She runs and does like a giant leap, flips over a police car that's kind of skidding and trying to break to avoid hitting her. She flips up and like spins around on a on a light post and then jumps and leaps forward in the air, like t- grabs onto a wall for a second and hops off of that and then catches. John Stewart in midair and kind of does like a forward roll to avoid uh, to hurting herself or him. So what's it's just just extra little flourishes <laughs> that I feel like we always get when uh, and so far it seems like every time I'm like oh that's really good I wonder who directed this one it's the answer has been uh, Mr. DeSantos each time uh, so there's definitely a, he definitely seemed to like to put a little extra flourish and and credit to the animation company. Uh, DR Movie Co for being able to pull that off as well but yeah I definitely I really like the Vixen stuff. Uh, you spoke about how this is kind of a more violent episode at one point she's kind of like slammed into the side of a fence and her her arm is very clearly broken um and they she uses uh uses her power to i guess take on the form of some kind of lizard or something that can heal itself and kind of snaps her arm back into place so they i don't think we get any blood in this episode but everybody kind of has a lot of like costume tearing and like you there's know, even lot, a shot lines on their faces to sort of in, indicate like cuts and, and scuff marks and stuff for sure for sure there's even a shot so later on in the battle once uh once dr fate and Enco arrive uh, aquaman shoots his hook and it actually goes through grundy's arm like it pierces right through grundy's mm-hmm. arm there's no blood or you know muscle tear or anything shown but it definitely penetrates right through his arm and hits through the wall and then you see him trying to kind of like pull the hook out from the other side so uh it definitely a very violent episode um it's funny though that you mentioned uh that very dynamic and certainly sort of over the top visual uh with with vixen because i think there was actually a couple subtle things too so we don't get it played out on this episode verbally uh but there are some sort of hints that vixen knows or suspects there's a little bit something a little bit of history between shaira and john um there's some subtle subtle jealous looks that she gives including um the scene where uh shaira is about to uh is sort of discussing what her role is and whether or not she's going to have to kill Grundy. And uh, John volunteers, he's going to go do it. He just, you know, he tells her he's going to, he'll take the mace and he'll go do it. And it's subtle, but if you look in the background, Vixen is standing there with her arms folded across her chest, kind of giving mm-hmm. John the stink eye. Is this my destiny? To be a destroyer? To betray yet another friend? It's not that simple. It never was. Hey, how about we discuss it for another couple of hours? That way, he's sure to escape. Only you have the power to put that creature out of its misery and to stop it before it hurts anyone else. You don't have to, Shira. I'll do it for you. Give me the mace. Forget it, John. He was my friend. It's my responsibility. I'll do it myself. And 
And I love that because it's not verbally addressed in this episode that she either knows anything or that she's jealous. But the fact that they subtly slipped in those little looks from her to kind of be like, yeah, she knows that. And we don't know. Does she know that they had a history? Is she just, is she on to it? Does she, she trying to figure it out? We, we don't get any of that information in this episode. So uh, just those little subtle things in the background to know that she, she's kind of sniffing around and seeing that there's, there's something here between the two of them. And uh, she doesn't like the fact that Shaira kind of has her eye on her, her man. Yeah, there's, a, there's definitely, you definitely get that sense. We'll certainly talk about that in voice acting a little bit later, but yeah, there's, there's some very good, as you said, sort of non nonverbal stuff. That's just totally, totally body language in, in that scene. That is, that's great. And definitely very subtle again for a, for a kid's cartoon. Um, but yeah, other than that, like we said, lots, lots of pun. There's some cool, I feel some cool Justice League teamwork. Uh, like there's a, a part where Grundy sort of has Vixen above his head and Hawkgirl strikes him with the mace and he kind of goes down and then Superman flies at him with both fists and knocks him back and, and Grundy drops Vixen. And of course, uh, Green Lantern's there to catch her from falling. It's just like, I felt like there's a couple nice bits there. Uh, another bit where Vixen uh, uses her claws to kind of slice up the base of a statue and then we see Aquaman kind of shoulder shoulder block it uh, from the other side and and knock it over on Grundy. Uh, so that I thought they did some cool stuff with that. Uh, uh, speaking of Aquaman, I think maybe my favorite visual of the whole episode is, as you mentioned, Superman gets knocked by Grundy into the river, and as he does, he's knocked through one of the uh, support legs of the uh, of the bridge. And uh, the bridge begins to shake and the other, the other leg begins to give and, and collapse. And then all of a sudden we see Aquaman slowly rise out of the water and a giant octopus shows up to steady the, uh, the support beams and keep it from, keep the whole bridge from collapsing. I was like, that's a great, uh, that's a great Aquaman thing. So anyone, any of you youngsters who think Jason Momoa made Aquaman cool, he did because he said, my man. But also, <laughs> but also, uh, I thought Aqu Aquaman was so cool in, in this episode. I thought that was such, that's like the coolest intro or entry to a scene that I can remember a, a Justice League or happen happening, at least in any ALU episodes we've reviewed so far. Yeah, that was a solid, definitely a solid A plus plus entry from uh, from the King of the Seas. I really did enjoy that. Uh, last two visual uh, nods that I'll mention, then I'll give my score. But uh, one, uh, so that same scene where they're sort of gathered around this hole in the uh, hole in the street where uh, Shaira has knocked Grundy deep into the sewers below. They're sort of gathered around it, having this discussion as to what they're going to do and whether or not uh, they're going to have to kill kill this mindless zombie uh there's there's some hashtag hair movement happening there lots of wind blowing <laughs> uh there's there are some capes blowing as well but it's, it's mostly shoulders up so it's a lot of hair movement happening there i did notate that uh some great animation there and then uh i i think another standout for me was as shaira goes into the sewer after grundy uh she's sort of walking through uh the various sewer uh 
sewer pathways and she's using uh, her mace and the electricity from her mace to light her way. And there's this great shadow work that's done. Uh, really great, great, great shadow work that's done. So mm. uh, that I thought was really great. And then then the, la- the va- visual at the end, even it's coupled and we'll talk about it when we get into our voice acting, but coupled where she finds Grundy and he's worn out and he's, you know, Grundy looks a little bit different. He has these giant red eyes uh, and he has this like kind of more disheveled, longer hair than we last saw him with. Uh, but he, his eyes open and they sort of turn angry and she's talking to him and trying to calm him down. Um, and she tells him to close his eyes and he, he does, and it's, it's done very slowly. It's almost slow motion. He closes his eyes and then they cut away and you don't, you don't hear anything. You don't see anything. You just see, uh, it's just nothing. And then Hulk girl flies out from underneath the, uh, from, from the sewers. And, uh, and that's where, where the, uh, where we get sort of our finale happening there, but it's, it's done very, very well, very sweet way. Um, I think it doesn't, it's not the same as the way that last week's episode, not as, not as cute and not as warm and fuzzy. Um, but still that, that bit of tragedy still underlying there is she ultimately has to do this to somebody that sacrificed himself for her, uh, even though it's not really the same person anymore. So uh, yeah, really, really great visuals there. Uh, I thought it was very strong throughout the episode. Um, the action scenes were good. Uh, there was some downtime and a little bit of people just kind of standing around. So there, it wasn't completely full with action, uh, but I feel, still think it's a pretty strong episode. So I went with a score of eight out of 10 for visuals. What about you? Yeah, I, uh, I went with the exact same score, actually, of, uh, of eight out of 10. Um, yeah, a lot of a lot of really good stuff in this episode. The only other thing I'll mention is the you kind of touched on it. The design of Grundy is changed, not dramatically, but like the hair's a little like more shaggy, and he has those eyes. And then uh, and then I feel like in his face they made his face a bit rounder. And I don't know if that was an intentional choice or just you know the animation or the storyboard artists. Uh, but he, it made him as a result, I thought, look more like a gorilla, like a more animalistic, which I think works for kind of what this version of Grundy is supposed to be. So I actually think that whether or not that, that was an intentional change in his design, or if he was just a little bit off model, I'm not 100% sure, but either way, I thought, I thought it worked pretty well. And there's a, there's a scene there where again, Shire's sort of still can conflicted about about really kind of going in on him and she turns back and looks at him and he's he's just got all this drool coming out of his mouth and he's just you know he's just full of this rage and and she finally you know takes this big big dramatic swing and knocks him into the ground so yes definitely some uh, some very strong visuals uh, all, all around this week agreed all right, Lane, let's move on to our next category, which is going to be music. And I believe you said uh, Lolita, Lolita Ritmanis uh, from the Dynamic Music Partners was credited with the music for this week's episode. Uh, mm-hmm. What stood out for you as far as musical notes? Yeah, I didn't have a ton for music this week. Uh, I definitely think the the action beats are, are pretty well uh, pretty well covered by our, our sort of classic Justice League rock rock battle themes. Um, but the the actually the the biggest music note I had 
was uh, actually for the scene we already talked about, that entrance of Aquaman. We get the return again of that Aquaman theme that we talked about last week. And this time played with more, uh, more rocked up as a lot of the music in JLU was. But I think that really uh, the music as his theme plays begins and then as, as sort of Hawkgirl shows up as well to save uh, the, the falling thing. And they, they sort of transition into a little bit of the, the kind of GL Hawkgirl theme that we heard in, uh, in, in Wild Cards and in, in Starcross as well there as, as they sort of come back face to face. I thought there's, there's some, good, uh, some good callbacks to be sure. Yeah, I think uh, I think you're right. I think it's interesting. Uh, the scene initially where Grundy is sort of doing battle with uh, with the Green Lantern and Vixen, um, there's sort of this waiting period where we wait for Superman to show up, uh, and uh, we don't know that he's coming because he hasn't been introduced yet. Uh, but Green Lantern and Vixen are, are kind of backed into a corner, and Grundy is bearing down on him. And it was interesting because I thought I was listening to the music. And uh, it sounded, uh, and again, this is not music that I'm aware of. It's been released uh, for available for us to listen to, to kind of break it down in more isolation. So it's hard because you have all these sound effects over top of it. And, uh, but it, it, it sort of reminded me of like a, a 1990s uh, Super Nintendo, like, boss battle soundtrack like it's like <laughs> the characters you know bearing down on them and it's just kind of like it just sounded like sort of generic like oh this could have been played in a video game for a boss battle like which is which it's kind of fitting like that's that's kind of what was happening so it kind of fit the scene uh i was a little disappointed that when superman shows up there is sort of this emphatic triumphant music that's played but it didn't sound like the superman shirley walker theme to me at least uh, there was a lot of sound effects and stuff layered over top of it but from my ears it did not sound like like superman's theme D did you catch that yeah yeah i uh that's that's a, that's a good way of putting it but yeah i didn't really hear the uh the classic uh the shirley walker theme at all so yeah, like I said, I did think they they brought in some some sort of past past musical themes for for Aquaman and a little bit for for Hawkgirl when she sort of makes her her return, but a lot of it more felt like it was it was sort of uh, holding back a bit more maybe to let the action and and then later on the the voice performances that we'll get to in a minute kind of shine, but. All things considered, I still thought music was a was a solid outing. Certainly, nothing wrong with it, and I ended up with a six out of ten for music. Yeah, uh, I went. I think solely for that Aquaman because it actually it it 
goes beyond just the little intro it plays a little bit it plays a little bit longer than normal uh but i loved that it it coupled with the visuals that musical note i thought was really really great and sort of carried the rest of the episode for me um it's amazing what just like one little moment could with that said i mean i only gave it a point higher i gave it a seven out of ten um i feel like they could have incorporated if they incorporated that superman uh theme when he comes in there and sort of saves green lantern and vixen from being smashed i think that would have kind of given them a more emphatic uh you know exclamation point to that scene by the way we had some conjecture earlier this week uh on our instagram i think twitter maybe uh but do you think uh superman was a little bit careless with his introduction there and slamming grundy through multiple cars and causing a giant explosion is that a a uh, a man of steel moment there <laughs> for our dcau superman a little bit. I mean, I think he only he knocks him through the one truck, but he knocks him through like the the trailer part of it. So like you can make the argument he didn't kill anybody with that punch, but when the explode that was a really big explosion. <laughs> and it's a little hard to believe that like nobody was in the area. <laughs> yeah. So. Maybe they all just went to the hospital with like, you know, third degree burns. Hope so. Yeah, but uh, yeah, all right. Moving on to our final category for this week, Liam, that is going to be our voice actors. Uh, we have a pretty big cast, all things considered here, for uh, for a 22-minute episode. Uh, some returning folks, some names that we'll recognize from previous episodes that we've discussed this month. Uh, but let's talk about today's voice cast. Yeah, we got, a uh, like you said, a lot of the same voices we've, we've talked about either earlier this month or in previous episodes but we will mention doing doing the grundy growls is uh, is in fact bruce tim who uh who also voices one of the uh the nerdy kids in the in the dorm room along with uh george newburn and, and phil lamar voicing the other two i believe but um uh, we have briefly we have jennifer hale as inza uh we have oded fier returning as dr fate He's a uh, he's more of an exposition dump guy this week because then right after Amazo's powers don't work he's like oh by the way mine don't work either <laughs> I'm no good he did say chaos magic a few different times and I did appreciate that that was just a term that they decided to come up with that didn't make any it did, doesn't mean anything it's just a phrase that they used mm -hmm. but he delivered the line very well I appreciated it I don't see him neither do I. There must be lead in those old sewer pipes. Guy tends to leave a trail. We'll find him. And then pretty Polly can bash him with her magic mace. Why does it hurt him? It's made of nth metal. Your people's technology was developed specifically to repel magical creatures. It disrupts the magic that animates him. The creature knows only rage and seeks only oblivion. Your mace may be the one object on Earth that can grant him peace. Yeah, for sure. I, yeah, he does, you know, he does his job. He just didn't have much to do besides uh you know to do the exposition stuff but we do uh, we do have scott rummel uh returning as aquaman and it's funny you mentioned there that i think his time to shine is definitely those those opening couple minutes in in the tower of fate where he's so trying to get a rise out of uh out of hawk girl and, and is insulting her and and uh and trying to get it get her to to find her her warrior spirit I, th I think he's pretty pretty entertaining once again in, in that role 
Yeah, I agree. I, I think it's not a lot. And we talked about it last week that he has a very stoic one note delivery for most of his lines. He does have to show a little bit of emotion as he's frustrated. So I think that stoic sort of emotionless one note type of delivery actually comes across. He's able to at least emote uh, that he's upset, that he's angry or frustrated. And there's, there's a cute little scene where they cut back to him playing chess against Amazo and uh, Amazo is, uh, is, is, is congratulating him on only being at only taking 12 moves this time instead of six the previous time for him to beat him. So uh, there was some, some good back and forth between the two of them there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think that's uh, that's that's some good fun there. Um, yeah, with uh, Robert Picardo as Amazo, uh, also getting he gets a couple funny lines in that uh, that opening bit. Um, but then, yeah, other than our our main Justice Leaguers, who we'll we'll talk about in just a moment, uh, we have uh, the first appearance of Gina Torres as uh, as Vixen, who folks might know from The Matrix or. Uh, the show suits or like she has a lot of credits in her imdb so she's been she's been in a lot of stuff she's uh, she's definitely one of those actresses that if you if you saw a picture you'd be like oh yep i've seen her in something so uh so yeah that was a uh, i think she does a solid job like I said she doesn't have a lot to do with this episode she has more sort of to do in uh, certainly in the third season um but uh, I think it's a solid, a solid outing for her, for her first appearance here. Yeah, she's fine. Um, there were some times where I felt like she was a little bit, a little bit too flat uh, on some of the deliveries that could have emoted a little bit more excitement, especially as she's saving. Uh, she has to save a couple people during that whole bridge, bridge collapse scene. And when Grundy's, uh, or maybe it's maybe it's the initial scene where Grundy's sort of rampaging and uh, she has to save some people and it comes across as just uh, the same sort of delivery that she gave when she ran when she saw that John was coming to pick her up after the fashion show. So uh, not not super strong, but we know that there's there's more opportunities for her uh, to shine a little bit better. And, and some of it could just be that she wasn't given a whole lot for this episode. So I won't hold it against her for sure. Yeah. And then we have our uh, our three main our three main original Justice Leaguers here. We have, as you mentioned, uh, doesn't have a ton to do, but we have George Newburn as Superman. But uh, as, as we've talked about in great detail already, uh, that that final bit at the end um, is is some real good stuff. And, and he does a great job of delivering those lines. Um, and then, yeah, we have uh, we have Phil Lamar as Green Lantern. Um, who obviously we've seen him a few times in the series so far in episodes we reviewed, but this one, again, we get to, we get a lot more like sort of personal, personal stuff about, about John uh, in this episode, not only just that he has a new relationship, but sort of his reaction to, to seeing uh, Shaira return and to his sort of exact, he's sort of exasperated and a little bit excited. And, and then when, when she sort of, unsure if she can she can handle uh as, as she says betraying another friend in grundy he, you know he's sort of very very quickly uh, is is willing to kind of offer to, to take it up so i think i think phil lamar maybe other than uh you know maria canals as as hawk girl uh those two definitely have the most heavy lifting to do like from an acting uh, a capital a acting standpoint this week 
Yeah, I agree. And, and I think this is another, another, um, another strong outing for the most part for uh, Miss Canals. And um, I think we always talk about how great Phil Lamar is. There's no doubt that this is, uh, it's not a lot that he has to convey, but some of it is uh, his, him coming to the defense of Hawk girl as these uh, members of the media try to berate her and uh, try to kind of, uh, you know, drag her down a little bit right after this, this already difficult moment that she's had sticking a microphone in her face and demanding to know if, uh, if she's, you know, if she's sorry for what happened and all of that, and then immediately turning on her and, and, uh, and beginning hurling insults at her. So John gets to show, uh, you know, Phil, Mr. Mr. Homar gets to give some, uh, give some, a, a pretty strong range of emotions, some shock, some anger, some frustration with the people that are, are, are condemning her. And, uh, so he does a great job. And then Ms. Canals, uh, ultimately has to, has to, carry uh, the emotional parts uh, of the episode and her range uh, again of this sort of defeated sad sack of a character at the beginning where she's just sort of depressed and down and doesn't like herself and um, struggling again as we mentioned it already sort of with her self-identity and who she is and uh, who she's going to be going forward and then sort of coming out of that a little bit at the end as as she has that interaction with uh, with George Newbern Superman. So um, I, I think it's a very strong, strong performance. Um, I, I think for the most part, I think everybody does a really, really good job. Uh, I think Vixen brought it down just a hair for me, just, just nitpicking, which is what we do here. Uh, but I ended up giving voice acting a still a very strong nine out of 10. Yeah, I was a, a tick lower. I went eight out of 10. Um, still a very good episode. I definitely think Favorite interaction, just because it feels so natural, I think, is when uh, the the contrasting emotions when when John sees Shaira for the first time and he's sort of awestruck and he can he can barely speak, and then Hawk Girl just looks at him and goes, "Hate the beard," and then and then <laughs> we're sort of we're sort of off to the to the races from there, and and obviously, like we said, Philip do a lot more towards the end of the episode, both in his. Uh, his conversation where he he offers to sort of end things and uh for for Shaira and then and sort of sticking up for her in front of the the uh the media and everything so and and being the one to sort of remind her that while she she might deserve the she's you know she makes a comment about how she feels like she deserves the scorn that people have for her but then when the uh when the mother and the daughter say uh you know walk up there grab her hand and, and thank her um think her you know john john's there to uh to remind her that she she also deserves that so i think i think those two especially yeah uh, a pretty darn great job this week she doesn't have to take that from you people yes i do but it's okay i guess i deserve some of it You saved our lives. God bless you, Chicalcon. You deserve that, too. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and that shows in our scores. So, uh, all right, Liam. Well, that will begin to wrap things up. So, let's total up our scores here. 
And uh, totaling everything up for today, I ended up with a pretty strong uh, 32 out of 40 for this week's episode. What about you? Yeah, and I am uh, just a one point different this week as I am at 31 out of 40. Right. Well, Liam, as we talk about each and every week, once we get to the end of the episode, we will talk about what we refer to as rewatchability. Uh, we grade this typically in a couple of different scales here. Uh, it's certainly importance to the DCAU storytelling as a whole. Sometimes it's just, hey, is this a pivotal episode that if you had the choice uh, to sit somebody down and say, hey, I'm going to show you the best of the best. Uh, and this would that be considered uh, while this wouldn't necessarily fall in our top pick section would this be one that you say yeah I'd show this to somebody be like hey this is great storytelling so uh, with that in mind and that uh, fully explained uh, once again to our listeners where do you fall on this rewatchability for this week's episode oh I think you gotta I think you gotta watch this one Um, not only because not only is it a direct sequel to a previous episode that I think we, we said was, was pretty important to the original Justice League series, but there's, there's so many moving parts here um, with not only the introduction of Vixen and, and her relationship with John, but I mean, it's, it's the return of Hawkgirl to the Justice League. So I think this is a, a no-brainer when it comes to rewatchability. And on top of it, uh, if, you, if you want to look at it from the other end, I think it's also a, a good, a, just a good good episode we have good action we have some really strong character moments for 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 hawk girl especially um so yeah i think i think this one gets two thumbs up from me for uh for rewatchability i agree absolutely yeah this is a must as you said it's pivotal to the storyline we get the return of hawk girl we get sort of the relaunch of her as we'll see uh kind of coming back to the justice league which interestingly enough uh, we'll soon find out some of those or the the people that chose to vote against her in her return uh, to the league and, and some of those interactions as she tries to uh, warm her way back up in the league when we get further down the road and review some more of those Justice League Unlimited episodes. Uh, but yeah, and it's a direct sequel to the episode that we covered last week, which we talked about is such a great uh, great episode when it comes to learning about who uh, Shaira is, who Hot Girl is at her core, why she is the way that she is about some things, and uh, and there's this correlation between the two episodes, a direct link, and uh, so it it's a good follow up to that episode uh, as, as as far as a a development episode for Hot Girl, and then sort of a payoff and and the redemption of the character, the start of the redemption of Shaira Hall. So uh, yeah definitely two thumbs up for rewatchability for that one for me as well all right liam uh well that will begin to wrap us up for this week's episode thank you everybody for tuning in don't forget if you subscribe to us on a podcast app and it allows you to give us a review we would love for you to give us a five-star review uh, take a moment tell the good folks at home what it is that you enjoy about the podcast we would greatly appreciate that uh, if you're not subscribed already go ahead and subscribe to us on apple Podcasts, google podcasts spotify anchor uh, a lot of those other additional smaller podcast uh, uh, feeds as well carry us as well. So thanks to them. Don't forget, you can also, if you consume your podcasts via the YouTube, uh, you can check us out. Uh, our episodes debut every Saturday also on the Pod Tower YouTube channel. And not only do you get great content from us there, but you get great content from our good friends over at Tim Talk and you get great content from our friends 
at the DCAU Watchtower database. Uh, so uh, great stuff happening over there. If you uh, if you can't support us financially by buying a shirt or a hat or a mug, which you can do by heading over to DCAUreview.com and clicking on the store tab. If you can't support us financially, which is understandable in this day and age, just go over, hit that subscribe button on the Pod Tower YouTube channel, and uh, that will support us the best way you can. And it's free to do so. Um, Liam, we have one Saturday left in the month of May and the month of magic. And uh, since it is a fifth Saturday, that means uh, that we are taking a trip to the Elseworlds uh, to wrap up the month of magic. So uh, let's talk about what we'll be reviewing next week. That is right. We are taking a trip around the multiverse, arriving on the Elseworlds. This time we're entering into a universe we have never touched before. And, uh, and we are taking a look at the, I believe it's referred to as the DC animated movie universe or the Tuckerverse, as I might like to call it. Either way, uh, to wrap up the month of Magic, Magic May, we will be looking at the Justice League Dark animated movie. Uh, so very excited to take a look at that. Awesome. Yeah, we get some John Constantine in there, which is a character that didn't quite ever make his way into the uh, DCAU. So very excited to uh, to do that. Some Batman in there as well as some of those other Justice League dark characters. So looking forward to wrapping up the month of Magic, Magic May, uh, with a review of a uh, DCAMU Tuckerverse movie. Can't wait, Liam. Absolutely. But until then, I'm Cal. And I'm Liam. And we will talk to you on the very next episode of the DC Review. Bye-bye.